what Absalom is doing is he's intercepting those people before they get to the gates and saying, there's no one there. Let me hear your complaint. And uh, he did this for four years. And it says in verse 6, Absalom behaved in this way toward all the Israelites who came to the king asking for justice. And so he stole the hearts of the people of Israel. Absalom now has, has turned the, the popular opinion poll from David to himself, and he's stolen the hearts of the people of Israel from his own father. There's an interesting verse, a passage of Scripture in Proverbs chapter 6. It lists seven sins that God hates. God hates all sin, but in Proverbs 6, there's seven of them listed. Read that passage sometime. But one of the things that God hates is people who sow seeds of discord. And that's what Absalom's doing. He's sowing seeds of discontent. And now, um, all of a sudden, the popular opinion has turned to, uh, to Absalom. Uh, verse 12, the last part says, The conspiracy gained strength, and Absalom's following kept on increasing. A messenger came and told David, The hearts of the people of Israel are with Absalom. Then David said to all his officials who were with him in Jerusalem, Come, we must flee, or none of us will escape from Absalom. We must leave immediately, or he will move quickly to overtake us and bring ruin on us and put the city to sword. And so here it is. David's own son is organizing a coup. He's organizing an attempt to overthrow his own father. And when the news reaches David, David and his men flee the palace. And once again, David is a man on the run. Well, that brings us to 2 Samuel chapter 16, and we're going to pick it up in verse, verse 5. So that's the setting. Now we're going to think about the stones and the cursing, the stones and the cursing. And we're going to look at a fellow who has an interesting name in Scripture. It's S-H-I-M-E-I. I even Googled, how do you pronounce S-H-I-M-E-I. It's actually a very popular name in the Old Testament. And what it told me is that the English pronunciation is Shimei. The Hebrew pronunciation is Shimei. So I'm not sure which one to go with. I think Shimei would make me sound smarter. Uh, it's the Hebrew pronunciation, but we'll go with Shimei. How's that? Uh, so here, here's we're going to be introduced to this fellow, Shimei. And uh, notice what happens here. David's Now David's on the run from his own son, Absalom. It says, as King David approached Baharum, a man from the same clan as Saul's family came out from there. His name was Shimei, son of Gera, and he cursed as he came out. He pelted David and all the king's officials with stones, though all the troops and the special guard were on David's right and left. So imagine, here's a fellow, he's a distant relative of King Saul. And he sees David and his men on the run, and this, this man comes out, and uh, instead of saying good morning, he's cursing David, and actually he's throwing stones at David and his men. Here's what he said, verse 7, Get out, get out, you murderer, you scoundrel. The Lord has repaid you for all the blood you shed in the household of Saul, in whose place you have reigned. The Lord has given the kingdom into the hands of your son Absalom. 
you have come to ruin because you are a murderer. Talk about kicking a man when he's down. David's on the run from his own son who wants to take over as king of Israel, and he's, he's a fugitive. And now as he's on the run, out comes this distant relative of Saul, and he's cursing at David. He's calling him a murderer. He's saying that all this comes to you because you deserve it. And he's throwing stones at him. In today's world, the Secret Service would have taken him out like that. And uh, let's let's see what one of David's um, men has a suggestion, and it's the solution offered by Abishai. Look at it in verse nine. It says then Abishai, son of Zariah, said to the king. By the way, this is David's nephew. Zariah was David's sister. Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over and cut off his head. I think that's a great solution. <laughs> you know, if I, if I was David, I'm like, yep, just go take care of him. And Abishai is ready to do it. And uh, that's, the, that's his, uh, his solution. Let's just get rid of this fellow. But notice David's response. It's quite remarkable. Called it David and the sovereignty of God, just to keep going with our, our alliteration here. David and the sovereignty of God. Notice how David responds. But the king said, What does this have to do with you? You sons of Zariah, if he is cursing because the Lord said to him, Curse David, who can ask, Why do you do this? David then said to Abishai and all his officials, my son, my own flesh and blood is trying to kill me. How much more than this Benjamite? Leave him alone. Let him curse for the Lord has told him to. I want you to know that's not how I react when uh, times in my life when people have said maybe not so very nice things to me or um, earlier in my life and my wife Diane will tell you I've gotten better at this, but when I was a young driver and on the freeway and Someone would cut me off on the freeway uh, and speed up, and then Diane would say, well, why are you speeding up? And I'd like to get right on their, their back bumper and uh, kind of learn that's not a smart thing to do. <laughs> but that's your first fleshly natural reaction. And uh, here's David. He's saying just the opposite. He says, leave him alone, Abishai. Maybe the Lord's told him to do this. It may be that the Lord will look upon my misery and restore to me his covenant blessing instead of this curse today. Um, reminds me of Matthew chapter 5, the Sermon on the Mount, when uh, Jesus speaks these words, uh, Blessed are you when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. There's the key phrase there, because of Jesus. Rejoice and be glad because great is your reward in heaven. Jesus says, if someone's persecuting you, if someone's blaspheming you, if someone's saying bad things to you because of your stand for Christ, count yourself blessed because God's going to reward you. And that's kind of David's thinking. He's like, maybe God told him to do this. 
maybe because I'm enduring the, the, the cursing and the, the stones and the persecution, maybe God's going to restore his covenant blessing to me. And so it says in verse 13, so David and his men continued along the road while Shimei was going along the hillside opposite him, cursing as he went, throwing stones at him, showering him with dirt. And the king and all the people with him arrived at their destination, exhausted, and there he, David, refreshed himself. Well, there's the story of David and Shimei. And David's running from his own son, and Shimei just adds cursing, stone-throwing, dirt-throwing on David and his men. And David responds in an unbelievable way. Leave him alone. Maybe God's told him to do this. Now, when we think about Shimei, and we're just going to quickly think about the rest of the story, because uh, the story doesn't end here with David and Shimei. So let me just give you the the rest of the story, and then we'll look at some life lessons from Second uh, Samuel chapter 16. So there's two more encounters uh, between Shimei and David. And the, the next encounter, and we're going to fast forward through a few chapters here, uh, Absalom is murdered, David is safely and securely back on the throne, and he's returning to Jerusalem. As he's returning to Jerusalem, he encounters Shimei, this man who was cursing him, throwing stones at him, and, and all of his men. And let me just read you the encounter um, that David has with, with Shimei. It says, when Shimei, this is Second Samuel nineteen eighteen, son of Gera, crossed the Jordan, he fell prostrate before the king. And he said to him, my Lord, my Lord, not, do not hold me guilty. Do not remember how your servant did wrong on the day my Lord, the king, left Jerusalem. May the king put it out of his mind. He's asking for forgiveness. He's saying, can, can you just kind of sweep that under the carpet and forget that? For I, your servant, know that I have sinned. But today I have come here as the first from the tribes of Joseph to come down and meet my Lord, the king. Then Abishai, verse 21, son of Zeruah, said, Shouldn't Shimei be put to death for this? He cursed the Lord's anointed. Here's this same Abishai. says, let's take him out. He should be killed. David replies, what does this have to do with you, sons of Zerai? What right do you have to interfere? Should anyone be put to death in Israel today? Don't I know that today I am the king over Israel? So the king said to Shimei, you shall not die. And the king promised him an oath. And so here Shimei confronts David, and David's on his way. He's, he's, Absalom's been murdered. He's now going to be reinstated as the king, and he asks for forgiveness. And Abishai wants to take him out, and, and David kind of saves his life a, a second time and offers him grace, mercy, and forgiveness, uh, just like David experienced earlier in First uh, Samuel and his encounter and shortcomings. Well, there's one last encounter, and this kind of brings the story to a close with, uh, with Shimei. 
And it's uh, 1 Kings chapter 2, and David now is on his deathbed. And Solomon, his son, is going to take, take the throne. He's the next in line to be the king of Israel. And David's giving Solomon some final charges. It's kind of like his, his last wishes and his last request. And he begins to mention different people by name and encourages Solomon to, to take some action. And so uh, David's saying, I'm about to die. Solomon, I want you to be strong. I want you to act like a man. I want you to observe what the Lord requires, walk in obedience to him, keep his decrees and commands. Uh, but then now he begins to deal with some individuals. In verse 5, he talks about Joab. In verse 7, he talks about Barzeli of Gilead. But then we come to 2 Kings 2.8. This is what David on his deathbed tells Solomon, his son. And remember, you have with you Shimei, son of Gera, the Benjamite from Baharum, who called down bitter curses on me the day I went to Manahem. And when he came down to meet me at the Jordan, I swore to him by the Lord, I will not put you to death by the sword. But now do not consider him innocent. You are a man of wisdom, and you will know what to do to him. Bring his gray head down to the grave in blood. <laughs> wow. Uh, David's kind of had maybe a little, little change of thought here. Uh, Shimei's continued to be a thorn in the flesh. His true colors have shown, and he tells his son Solomon, take him out. And we don't have time to, to read the rest of the chapter, but Solomon's very gracious to him. And Solomon uh, gives some instructions in uh, the end of chapter 2. Uh, Solomon says to Shimei, build yourself a house in Jerusalem and live there, but do not go anywhere else. And so he tells him to stay in Jerusalem, and as long as you stay in Jerusalem, you'll be safe. But I want you to stay there. And the rest of the story is that after three years, Shimei leaves Jerusalem. Solomon hears about it, and then he gives orders to, to take out Shimei. And uh, that's how the chapter ends. Then the king gave the order to Benaniah, son of Jehida, verse 46. And he went out and struck Shimei down. And he died. That's the rest of the story of David and Shimei. Well, this morning we just want to take about 10, 15 minutes and think about um, what are some lessons that we can learn from this uh, kind of unusual, fascinating story in the Second Samuel chapter 16. And so um, let's think about three of them, uh, and then we'll... Uh, then we'll close this morning. Second Samuel chapter 16, life lessons. Here's the first one. We need God's help in taming our tongue. Uh, I'm taking this from, from Shimei and, and how Shimei was, was cursing uh, the king. And, and actually, if you read in, I think it's Exodus chapter 22, that was forbidden. Uh, we're, you, there's a, a law there in the Old Testament. You should not curse the king. And Shimei is cursing. He's saying, you murderer, you scoundrel. And his tongue got him in a lot of trouble. And uh, I don't know about you, but likewise, uh, the Scriptures warns us about our speech, doesn't it? 
that our words can get us in all sorts of trouble. And that's why uh, the scriptures speak so much to our, our speech. Psalm 141, verse 3, uh, the psalmist writes, Set a guard over my mouth. Keep watch over the door of my lips. Basically a prayer. God, would you help me to watch what I say is the paraphrase. Proverbs seventeen twenty seven, the one who has knowledge uses words with restraint. Even fools are thought wise if they keep silent. It cautions us and, and says, hey, maybe the best thing to do is to just keep your mouth shut. James chapter 3 uh, is a familiar passage, and James is writing to, about the tongue and the whole chapter is is dedicated to at least the first 12 verses, uh, a warning against our speech, and talks of uh, three analogies about something little that is very powerful, uh, the bit in the horse's mouth, uh, the rudder that controls a huge ship, a little spark that can produce a forest fire. And he says, that's what the tongue's like. It's like a little member of our bodies, not very big, but it can cause a whole lot of trouble. Listen to what James has to say. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. We need help to control our speech. We need, we need God's help. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to control our speech. He goes on to say, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, And with it, we curse human beings. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursings. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. And so James gives us a warning about uh, the tongue. And it's a small member, but it's powerful. And it can do great, great damage. And so we need God's help. We need God's assistance to control the tongue. I like the little acrostic um, that says, think before you speak. And that word think is an acrostic that you can ask some questions before you say something or before you perhaps in our day send that email. Here's the grid you need to think about and ask about. Number one, is what I'm saying true? Is it true? Number two, is it helpful? Is this helping the situation at all? Number three, the I, is it inspiring? Number four, is it necessary? Number five, is it kind? And if what you're going to say meets all that criteria, then uh, by all means, go ahead and share it. If Shimei would have taken that little grid, think before you speak, um, he would have kept his mouth shut because none of what he said fits into this category, uh, this this acrostic. I love what Paul wrote to the Ephesian believers in Ephesians chapter 4. He's talking about the change in our life once we come to Christ as our Savior. Here's what he says, 
Ephesians 4.29, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Uh, the Greek word there is sapros. It, it really is a word that means rotten. Rot- don't let any rotten speech come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Don't say anything unless it's going to encourage. Don't say anything unless it's going to build, build someone else up. And actually, that's one of the reasons we're gathered here this morning, not only to worship and praise God, but the Scriptures exhort us, what, to, to encourage one another, to build each other up in the faith. And so uh, we need God's help in taming our tongues. Here's the second life lesson that we can learn from 2 Samuel chapter 16. And as they think about David and what he experienced here when he was on the run from his own son and experiencing uh, uh, the cursing and the stones being thrown at him, is this, our example for enduring false accusations and unjust suffering. If you live long enough, you'll experience that. Uh, somewhere along the line, you're going to experience uh, false accusations, unjust suffering. Our example for that is Jesus. Talk about unjust suffering. Let me remind you as we're about to move into a month where we're going to celebrate uh, the coming of King Jesus and the reason that he came is to be our, our Savior Matthew chapter 27. I remind you what Jesus experienced at the cross. It says the Roman soldiers stripped him and put on a scarlet robe on him. They twisted together a crown of thorns and set it on his head. They put a staff in his right hand and they knelt in front of him and mocked him. Hail, King of the Jews, they said. Verse 30, they spit on him can't think of anything more disgusting. They, they spit on Jesus. And they took the staff and they struck him on the head again and again and they mocked him. And they took off the robe and put his own clothes on him and they led him away to crucify him. Can you imagine enduring that? And Jesus did. Because he was going to go to the cross for you and me and Isaiah writes about it and, and prophesying about the, the crucifixion in uh, Isaiah chapter 53, what the suffering servant would be like 700 years before Jesus comes on the scene. Uh, we read Isaiah chapter 53, these words, I'm almost there, here we go. He was despised and rejected by mankind. He was a man of suffering, familiar with pain. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent. Well, he did open his mouth on the cross, didn't he? He made seven statements, and one of them was praying for those people who beat him and spit on him. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. 
And Peter writes to persecuted believers in First Peter. Uh, the theme of the book is pain with a purpose, and there are Christians who are being persecuted for their faith, and and they're actually uh, on the, on the run for being a Christian. And Peter writes in First Peter chapter two about suffering unjustly. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering. How is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, it's unjust. You don't deserve it. This is commendable before God. To this you were called because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Second Peter chapter 3, talking about who, who God is, it says he is long-suffering, very, very, very patient. And so when it comes to false accusation, when it comes to injustice in your life, Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, and uh, he's, our, he's our model for that. Number three, uh, and this is the last one, from Second uh, Samuel chapter 16. Rather than revenge, we should release those opposing us to God. Rather than seeking revenge, which is our natural instinct when someone curses at us, throws stones at us, throws dust at us, dirt at us. Rather than revenge, the model of David and looking at how Jesus handled this, we should release those opposing to us to God. How do you handle lies, false accusations, unjust suffering. Well, yes, we can speak truth. God says, speak the truth in love. That's, that's in Ephesians. But um, there's a model in Scripture. And rather than wasting our time in plotting revenge, uh, something that is much more effective, much more powerful, is that we can release or turn that person, that situation over to the sovereign God who knows everything, who someday will judge the earth and will do what is right. Roman, uh, Revelation talks about the, the final judgment and people will be judged according to their works. This is a, the great white throne. Uh, this is not talking about salvation. This is, this is the, the punishment that people will get for rejecting Christ. Uh, Genesis 18.25, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And so we can release that person to the, the sovereign, just God of the universe who will do what is right. And uh, this is what Paul did in 2 Timothy. He talks about an individual who did him a great deal of harm. His name was Alexander the coppersmith. And notice what Paul says, 2 Timothy uh, chapter 4, his last epistle. He writes, Alexander the metal worker, some translations say the coppersmith, did me a great deal of harm. 
So he doesn't sweep it under the carpet. He, he's speaking truth. Uh, this guy did me wrong. But notice what he says. The Lord will repay him for what he's done. Uh, God, God will take care of him. I'm going to turn him over to the, the sovereign God of the universe. And rather than wasting my time, energy, and resources in revenge, God will take care of him, and I'm going to turn him over to God. But then he gives him a warning to Timothy. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. He's telling Timothy, his son of the faith, that uh, Pastor Timothy, hey, watch out for this guy uh, because he's opposing our message. And so rather than revenge, we can release those opposing us to God. Well, this morning, I don't know about you, but uh, our tongue can get us in a world of trouble, and it did uh, Shimei as well. And uh, my encouragement to you is uh, we need God's help in controlling our tongue. Uh, we need the power of the Holy Spirit to, to help us in, uh, in knowing uh, what to say and how to respond and how to be gracious in our speech. And uh, for those that have experienced unjust suffering and false accusations, uh, remember that Jesus is our example of how to handle that. And uh, rather than revenge, uh, Paul's model is to release those opposing us to God. And God, the judge of all the earth, will do what is right. Let's, uh, let's pray together, shall we, as we close. Lord, uh, thank you for this uh, story. A rather remarkable story tucked away in Second Samuel about Shimei. And Lord, uh, most of us, perhaps this morning, identify with Abishai and say, take him out. But Lord, thank you for David's uh, trust and response and belief in the sovereignty of God. Lord, I pray that you would help each of us this morning to, to um, tame our tongue. Lord, help us to say only words that are helpful that build others up, that are kind. Lord, help us to be gracious in our speech. Lord, for those of us that have suffered uh, unjustly, uh, perhaps betrayal, uh, Lord, help us to remember the model of Jesus. And Lord, thank you that we don't have to get involved in revenge, but we can release people to you and you are the sovereign God of the universe who will do what is right. And that gives us great freedom. So, Lord, uh, bless us today. Help us to encourage one another today. And, Lord, help us uh, to praise you with our tongue and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.